learn from Jesus, we must follow him. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. To find our purpose, we must follow him. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I came that they may have a life and have it abundantly. At Mansfield Bible Church, we believe by following Jesus, we learn to live a life of purpose. What does a follower of Jesus believe? What does a follower of Jesus do? At NBC, we use three key words to describe what a follower of Jesus believes and how those beliefs affect the way we live. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. It is impossible to follow Jesus without abiding in him. A follower of Jesus understands that apart from Jesus, they can do nothing. So a Jesus follower believes they must remain in Jesus. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. God designed the church as one body with many members. A Jesus follower is never on a solo mission, but rather is someone who belongs to the people of God called the church, growing in their faith and in community with other Jesus followers. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. A Jesus follower cannot hide their faith but are compelled to share it with others. Jesus uses his followers to impact the world around them as they live out the gospel in their daily lives. Our God is relational and has made us for relationships as well. It's no coincidence that these three key words are all based around relationships as well. Our relationship with God, abide. Our relationship with other Jesus followers, belong. Our relationship with the world, impact. Developing healthy relationships requires time. How we choose to focus our time and what we do to grow those relationships is important. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. A follower is intentionally pursuing God, setting aside time each day for prayer, Bible reading, and Bible study. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, 
but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. A Jesus follower is passionate about belonging to the body of Christ. They are committed to growing in Christ through accountability and service within a community of Jesus followers. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. God has richly poured his blessings out on the follower of Jesus through the gospel. In response to God's love and blessings, we in return bless other people by using our spiritual gifts, talents, skills, and resources to make an impact on other people. To have a life of purpose, you must be focused on following Jesus. We encourage you to take the steps as you follow Jesus. As you begin to focus your life on following Jesus, giving Him the best of your time, we believe you will begin to grow in your faith to abide and depend on God, grow in a deep belonging to a community of God's people, grow in your desire to see God use you to impact other people through your life. This is a Jesus follower. Good morning, church. I'm, I just know we watched that video, it just moved me because that's really what we've been talking about. I know we've been talking about being a follower of Jesus. What does that, what does that mean? What does a Jesus follower believe and what do they do? In the last three weeks, we've been talking about some of those things, some of the things we've been talking about in regards to following Jesus is that we would abide. It's what we receive from Jesus. He is the vine, we are the branches. We must remain in him. And if we remain in him, we will bear much fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We've got to be able to understand that as followers of Jesus, that has to be our, our focus of our life, that we would remain in him. We have to believe that. If you don't believe it, you're not going to focus on your relationship with God. You're just not. And so it's important that we understand that we abide. We need to understand that we belong because it's when we belong to the body of Christ, the body that God has placed us into as he saw fit in the way that he determined and he placed us in the body of Christ. And we need each other. I need you and you need me. We need each one. And the reality is while we may be distanced apart, we are spiritually close because the spirit of God that dwells within us, he is everywhere at once. And he brings us together in the unity of the body. And while you may not be sitting here this morning, I am gaining strength from you this morning. And I hope, man, I sure hope that you're making comments online because that was such an encouragement to me, but not just to me, person after person that I would get a text from or an email from who just talked about what that was like to experience all of the body of Christ coming together. 
We need each other. So this morning, you do some amens, hallelujahs, and quote verses, but you take part because you're part of the body of Christ. We've got to understand that we belong to the body and we're strengthened by the body of Christ. We also saw last week that we make an impact. We have to expand that message of Jesus because we are the light of the world. And we have that message of reconciliation that God was in Christ, in the world, calling people to himself. And now he uses us as ambassadors as his representatives, calling people to Christ, to be reconciled with God. And so it's an amazing, amazing thing that we as believers and followers of Jesus, that we believe these things. In fact, one of the things as we've been doing our, our chart is that I want you to begin to see where we move. So as a follower of Jesus, we abide, belong, and impact. That's what we've been talking about over the last three or four weeks. This is what a Jesus follower believes. But one of the things we're gonna talk about today and next week is the application of that, that, that we would have a focused life, a life that is focused on God, a life that is focused on the community of believers that we're a part of, a life that is focused on people around us that we might expand the message of Jesus Christ. You see, when we understand and look at these things and we say, hey, I believe I have to abide in Christ. I believe that I belong to the body of Christ. I believe that I am to impact the world around me with the message of Jesus. These are things that we believe, but all of these things are relational. You can't, you can't abide without a relationship between you and God. You can't belong without being involved in a relationship with one another. You can't impact a world without going into the world and expanding that message of Jesus Christ, that message of reconciliation. So for us as believers, we need to begin to apply the things that we believe as we walk, as we follow Jesus. So as we follow Jesus, we need to have a God focus. We need to have a community focus. We need to have a people focus. And so some of the the things that I wanted to talk about today is I'm going to be focusing in on kind of a God focus uh, as we look at our lives. So as a follower of Jesus, and, and we're going to actually build this kind of a bullet over the next, this week and next week. But when you look at it as a focus, as a Jesus follower, and as we begin to abide, we need to have a God focus in our life. We need to make an intentional investment in our relationship with God. Are you making an intentional investment in your relationship with God? Or is God just something that you add on in your life? That's an important question. If you're gonna be a follower of Jesus, if you're gonna follow after him, and I know, man, the world around us right now seems to be, be it is, it's just changing so fast. It seems to be crumbling in some ways. And people are, are reacting in so many different ways. And the reality is, are we followers of Jesus? And if we're followers of Jesus, who is the source of our life and who's to be the focus of our life? And if it's not God, what would it be? The news that we receive every day? The panic of people around us? Is it, is it coming from whether we have enough Food, enough toilet paper? I mean, where's our, where's our focus come from if it's not God? If we're gonna say that we are followers of Jesus, our focus has to be on him. We need to be focused on God. And I'm asking you that question. I'm challenging you. I believe God's given me these things on my heart. And, and, and when I started this series, I had no clue I would be standing here in front of a camera and, and praying to God that he would communicate the things I believe he's put on my heart. 
But I believe more than anything else, God has put on my heart to challenge you about where you are in your relationship with God. You can say to me, yes, Greg, I believe that we need to abide. I, I believe that we need to, to, to belong. I believe that, that we have to belong. I believe that we impact. But are you making it a focus of your life? That God is a focus of your life? Are you making the community, the church, a focus in your walk with him? Are you? Is it, or has it become casual? I know we're meeting in our homes, but dear people of God, the church needs you as much today as ever before. Greg talked about texting and communicating with one another using Zoom. We need our people, God's people, to communicate with one another. It's important. And as we have focus in those people around us. So this morning, we're gonna be talking about a God focus as we, as we move forward. And we're gonna be talking about how we're gonna follow him. If you will, take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter, chapter three. We're gonna spend our time in Philippians chapter three and we're gonna really be talking about this God focus, a focus that we have in our walks with him. And I just wanna read verses, uh, really verses one through seven, one through eight right now. Let me just read it. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me for it is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the, the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I have, been, I have more, circumcised on the eighth day of, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. I wanna, I wanna stop there for a second. Paul is writing to the believers at the church of Philippi. Many of them had Jewish believers and, and the Jewish believers were trying to add to their faith. They were trying to say you need Christ but you still gotta be circumcised which was really important in the, in the life of Israel, in the life of the church. It was, it was making a commitment. It was entering into a covenant with God. And so they were trying to add this covenant and Paul was saying no. In fact, he says some harsh words. I know I have a really good friend out there that doesn't like Paul's statements when he says this, but, but one of the things that he realizes in their day, the dogs, dogs were running crazy. I know last summer when I was in Tanzania, everywhere you looked, there was a brown dog and they all looked the same. It was crazy. We would travel hours and there would be that brown dog. They were all over the place. Well, back in this, in this time when Paul was writing, dogs were, were, were quite common and all over the place. And the, the Jewish uh, leaders would often call Gentiles dogs because they didn't keep the covenants, they didn't keep the ceremonies, they weren't circumcised. And so Paul uses this play and he calls them, he says, dogs, he's trying to help the, the Pharisees to understand that they were resting in something that, that had no hope. They were resting in their own flesh. And he says, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh, who, who go through this process and it doesn't get them any closer to God. He said, we're of the circumcision, we're of the people of God who, who, worship, who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ and put no confidence in the flesh. Paul is saying, hey, I am a believer and I am of the circumcision, I'm of the Israel, I'm of God's people and I put no confidence in the flesh because we worship God in the spirit. 
In fact, he says, now look, if you think you have more confidence in the flesh, guess what? I have more. And he goes through this list of, of, of accomplishments that Paul had made within the Jewish culture, within their own religion and what they believe. And Paul is saying, hey, I've done all these things. And he comes to a place in the last part of verse 6. And he says, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul is saying, if you use the law and you're using these types of things like circumcision and you're saying, hey, this is how we have righteousness in Christ. He said, look, under the law, I was considered blameless. I had done all those things. I had measured up according to the law. And look what he says then in verse seven. He says in verse seven, but in contrast to those things, Whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. That word gains is the idea of attainments. It's all those things he accomplished. And that word counted really is, it's in the, if you understand a little bit in the, in the Greek, it's a perfect tense. It's the idea that I have counted and I'm still counting it. Now remember when Paul wrote this letter, he was in prison. It cost him everything. He had nothing because of his faith in Christ. And he went on and he preached Christ. And he says, I've counted all those things that I have gathered, all those things I have accomplished. I have counted them lost and I'm still counting them lost. And that word loss, I love that word. It's kind of an interesting word. In fact, it was used of, of, of a ship that was about to sink. And so all the, all the crew on the ship began to grab all of the cargo of the ship and began to throw it overboard because they didn't want the ship to be lost. They didn't want to sink. So they began to grab all the valuables because the most important thing was their own lives. And so they're throwing these things overboard. And Paul is saying, I have counted all of these attainments, all these things that I have gained. I'm counting them as lost. I'm throwing them overboard that I might gain Christ, that I might know Christ. It's an, it's an, a powerful statement that Paul is writing to these, to these Jewish believers who were still trying to add to the simple message of the gospel. And Paul is saying, I've counted it all lost, all gone, so I may know Christ. Compared to Christ, having nothing was more having nothing to have Christ was more valuable than having everything and not having Christ. Now think about that for a moment. Think about your own life. Is having Christ enough? Are you still hanging on to some things because you think that that life, that those things that life gives you, and that they give you in life, that those give you value? that those give you purpose, where they give you security, or is it just Christ? Is he enough? Paul, in case they didn't get it, he goes on in verse eight, and he says in verse eight, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. In fact, I love this phrase, this idea here, because he says in verse seven, he says he counted, it was in a, in a perfect tense, have counted, continuing counting, but here in verse eight, he says, I count, present tense. I am counting right now while I'm sitting in prison. I am counting these things as loss. I'm throwing them overboard. I'm throwing them away in order that I might, that I might gain the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That surpassing worth of knowing Christ, that in comparison to Christ, there was nothing else that was more important. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, it tells of this, a parable. It's like the guy, he, he's going along and he finds this great treasure in this, on this property. And so he covers it up. 
He covers the treasure up. And then he goes back and he sells everything that he has in order to buy the land. And I love the phrase because in the, in the verse, one of the cool things it says in the verse is that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy... He goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Think about that for a moment. In his joy, he goes back and he sells everything he has in order to buy that field. The same application. Paul is saying, I'm giving up everything so that I might have the surpassing knowledge of Christ, this relationship with Christ. Is Christ everything? Or has your, your focus become blurred in this world? Man, has God just stopped us in our world, in our, in our, in our nor normal way of life, in our busyness? I, I read on Facebook and, and on social media how everybody's kind of trying to figure out what to do. Has God just maybe stopped us that we might focus on him, that we might come to a place where we realize that he is everything and he is enough? Amen. Maybe our visions become blurred. Maybe you, maybe you haven't gotten to that place where, where you think that Christ is everything and, and you're not sure that he's enough and I'm gonna tell you he is. Look what Paul says right there in verse eight. The surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. That word rubbish literally has the idea of worthless, rejectable, thrown away. He says, I'm, I've count those things as rubbish that I might gain Christ. Is there anything in your life that is blurring your vision to be focused on God? That's what we're talking about. If we're gonna abide in Jesus, then we need to be focused on our relationship with God. We need to invest intentionally in our relationship with God. What is there that's, that's trapping you and blurring your vision, blurring your focus, causing you to be distracted? Right now is the time that more than any other time that your relationship with God should be of the uh, utmost importance. Is there another time you can share with me when your relationship with God shouldn't be of the utmost importance? Is there another time when, when life is coming up and it's just causing all kinds of chaos that your life shouldn't be about Christ? Is there another time in your world when you shouldn't evaluate, do I count all those things as rubbish that I might gain Christ? Now's that time, dear people of God. What is keeping you from that focus? What is keeping you from being focused on Christ? What is it that you have to give up? What is it you have to throw overboard that you might know the surpassing worth of Christ Jesus? See, I can't answer that for you. Only you and God can answer that. Your spouse can't answer that for you. Your children and your parents, they can't answer that for you. Only you can answer that as you Think about your life, your relationship with God. What is your eyes seeing? What is your ears hearing? What is your hands doing? Where's your feet taking you? What, what are you doing that your life needs to be focused on God? What do you have to quit watching? What do you have to quit hearing? What do you have to quit doing in order that you may gain Christ and his surpassing worth? Dear people of God, I would submit to you there is no other decision I made in my life than the fact that Christ means everything to me. Everything. 
I, I, cannot, I cannot express in the words of what Jesus means to me. And that Jesus is all I have. He's all I have. If today I breathe my last breath, today is a good day because I will be with my Lord. Jesus is enough. He's all I need and he's all you need. You may be right now experiencing fear and panic, but Jesus brings calm and confidence because he is Lord when he is enough. It's when we're falling into the everlasting arms of our God, that old hymn that I love so well. When we're falling helplessly and hopelessly into the everlasting arms of God, it's then and only then that we realize that Jesus is enough. He's enough. And I submit to you this morning, I submit to you, dear church, dear people of God, focus on your relationship with God. What is keeping you? When Paul says that he gives up all those things, he says that he does that because he might gain Christ. And he goes on in verse nine, he begins to help us understand why it's so important in our identity with Christ. In verse nine, he says, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. I love what he says here. He says that I may be found in him, that I may be discovered in Christ, that I might be actually found right there in Christ. Are you in Christ today? That's a question you have to ask. I don't know who's listening. I don't know who's hearing this, but let me ask you this question. Do you know Christ as your savior? You see, there's no other, there's no other way for righteousness, the Jewish leaders of this time, they thought it, they thought it might be involving a, a morality, a religious morality, where uh, they thought it'd be ceremony or rituals, and, and they kept wanting to add those things to the gospel. And Paul says, that's not enough. He says, I don't want a righteousness that I gain. I want a righteousness that comes from God and God alone, a righteousness that he imputes on me because of my faith in Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Have you trusted in Christ, in Christ alone? Do you not know of the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the love of God that he's demonstrated through the life of his son, that God would step out of his throne in his son, Jesus Christ, and he would walk on this earth and he was calling people to himself, all those who would believe, all those who would trust, he was calling them and then he went to the cross and there he dealt once and, all, once and for all with, the, with, the, with the, the separation of man and God, Jesus, our mediator, and it's through his death and his burial and his resurrection, because he lives, I have confidence that he's enough. He conquered sin and death. He conquered the chains of sin in my life. He conquered the chains of death because I know in him I will live with him. He is my life and my life is hid in him. You see, it is by faith that I come to that. That's what Paul says in, in verse nine. He says, he says, a righteousness of my own, uh, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but contrast that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith. Is it, it's, it doesn't say anything else. It doesn't talk about how many times you walk through a church door. It doesn't talk about how many times you open up your Bible or how much money you give. It talks about faith. 
A faith in a God who loves you and cares about you. A faith in a God that is able to keep you. A faith in a God that can deliver you. A faith in a God that when he returns, he will call you up and you will live anymore, forevermore in him. It's a faith in him. Our, our, our basis of what we hold is faith in a righteous and a true God, an everlasting God, from everlasting to everlasting, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who has said once and for all that all who would believe in his son will not be ashamed. Do you believe? Do you have faith in Christ? Is Christ enough? And dear people of God, if he's not, today's a good day to really think through that. It's a good time to begin to throw those things over the board and give them a loss, count them as loss that you might know Christ and the righteousness of Christ. And he goes on in verse 10, Paul says, that I may know him, may know Christ. He's talking about this idea of kind of a personal contact, an intimacy of relationship. The word there, know, has an experiential idea to it. It's the idea that I experientially, I intimately know him. Paul says, I'm giving these things up that I might intimately know Christ, that I would know him in an intimate way. I would know him personally and, and as a close, close, close Lord. Jesus is not on some throne out far away and forgotten his people. Jesus is just as present today as he was when he walked on the earth. His spirit dwells in us and he keeps us and he binds us together. He is going to come again and we're going to go together because he is our God. And Paul says, I want to know him. I want to know him experientially and the power of his resurrection I love that term, the idea of the power of his resurrection. The idea here is the outworking of the power of Christ in our life, that, that once we were dead to sin and now we're alive to Christ and the outworking of the resurrected life in us, that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and that life that I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. I live by faith in Christ Jesus. The power of his resurrection, Ephesians chapter one, verses 18 and following. Paul is praying and that, that they would have their eyes enlightened, that they would have an understanding of certain things. And one of the things he mentions is, I believe in verse 19, he says that you may understand that power of God that works towards you, that same power that took Christ out of the grave and rose him up and seated him in the heavenlies and put all things under his feet, that power works in us. Now there should be some amens going on back there. There should be some folks going, wow, this is incredible that an almighty, everlasting king of kings would care enough to do that, to work in us and bring about new life because of his power. Not something I've done, not my righteousness, but God's righteousness at work in me. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that, I'm, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Those are always fun. We don't ever want to experience the sufferings of Christ, do we? No, but Paul's saying, hey, I want to share in his sufferings. I want to share in the likeness of his death. What is he talking about? That there's kind of a joint participation that's going on there. It's the idea of being able to be in the same form as another. And here the idea is that of Jesus. Paul is saying, I want to be in the same aspect of Jesus and understand his death. And his death in here, and I believe in this reference, is the idea of experiencing his death and the likeness of his death that we die to ourselves daily. 
Dear people of God, the spiritual walk that we have is conquered by the power of the resurrection. But the reality is, if we ignore it and if we're not focused, we will find ourselves living in unrighteousness. We will find ourselves moving away from God. And Paul is saying, I want to understand the sufferings of his death. I want to be able to understand that aspect of dying to myself and living to Christ. And it's a constant, constant battle, but it only takes place as we begin to throw those things over the board and we count them lost and Jesus becomes our focus. He becomes the one that we rest in. In fact, that idea there when he goes on and he talks about the power or the resurrection from the dead, that idea to arrive at or to, to attain that idea is literally out-resurrection. That there's this new life living out through me. There's a, there's a newness of life. There's a newness of, of walking. Paul says, I want to understand the power of the resurrection. I want to understand the sufferings of Christ and the likeness of his death. That that would be lived out through me. That I would, I would show Christ that others would know. That I would understand the power of what God's doing. That he took us from a state of death and sin to a state of life in Christ. And no longer is my life about me, but my life is Christ, Colossians chapter, one, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. And my life is hid in him. He is my life. And Paul wants to understand the divine outworking of God in his life. Dear people of God, is that your focus? You see, if you're a child of God, that's your identity. And you need to understand that. If you're not going to throw those things overboard and count them lost, you're not going to understand your identity in Christ. And your vision, your focus is going to be blurred. You, under, you got to understand that your focus has to be in your identity of who Christ is. And then Paul kind of moves on and he talks about the singleness of our focus, that God is our focus. And he go, moves on in verse 12, he says, not that I have already obtained this or I am already perfect. Paul wants us to understand that aspect of not that I've already obtained, that active uh, appro uh, appropriation of, of these things. Paul isn't saying, I have figured this all out. Paul isn't saying that I have, I have become perfect. And then perfect here doesn't mean sinless, but mature. He's not saying that I've come to a place that I fully Fully get all this. Please understand that. When you're sitting there and you're going, man, I read God's word and sometimes I just don't understand it. Well, that's okay. We don't understand it all. But you know what? We have a God that hears us when we pray. And, I, and there's many times when I come across a passage and I begin to pray over it and asking God to show me because you know what? I believe in his spirit that is able to enlighten me, that is able to show me his word and teach me his word. And so it's important to understand. I may not understand everything, but dear God, people, God's people, I am going to study everything. I am going to learn about who my God is. You know why? Because I've learned that all that stuff, throwing all that stuff over the boat, it, all that stuff, all it did was weigh me down. All it did was entangle me. All it did was blur my vision of my focus with God, that I want to know Christ intimately, that I want to understand the power of his, his resurrection working out in my life, that I want to understand the sufferings of, of Christ and as, I, as I deny myself, as I understand that he is my Lord and I begin to surrender him. I want to see that in my life. Paul says, not that I've already attained this or already have already perfect, but contrast, I press. I love this term. The word press here means I pursue. What are you pursuing? 
What are you pursuing? You're pursuing something, dear people. You're, you're pursuing something. It may be your career. It may be a certain amount of money in the bank. It may be a home. It may be, it may be lots of different things, maybe even your own kids. But Paul says this one thing, here's what I'm gonna do, but I pursue or I press on to make it my own. I love that, that idea of make it my own, to grasp. Paul says, I'm pressing on, I'm pursuing that I may comprehend, that I may, that I may grasp it, that I may apprehend it. Why? Look what it, look what it says here. He says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul says, hey, I'm gonna pursue this. Why? Because I want to apprehend this. I want to comprehend these things. Why? Because Jesus has apprehended me. Do you realize that, dear people of God, that Jesus has apprehended you? If you've trusted Christ and you placed your faith in him, Jesus has apprehended you. Do you know why? Well, you know what? I wanna pursue and find out. I want to understand the power of his resurrection. I want to understand the sufferings of Christ. I want to understand the intimacy of a relationship with Jesus Christ so that I may understand why he has apprehended me. And then he goes on, he says in verse 13, he says, brothers, I do not consider that I have, I have made it my own, this idea of, of that I have somehow accomplished, but one thing I do right here, here's our focus. Here's our God-focused people. It's on our chart. We've been talking about being followers of Jesus. Here's my challenge. Are you ready to follow after Jesus? Do you believe that you need to abide in Christ? Do you believe you need to belong to the body? Do you believe that you're the light of the world, that you need to impact the world of, for Jesus and expand the message? Well, here's my question for you. This one thing, what is it? that we would pursue God. Look what he says. He says that, that, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul is saying, I forget those things that I've accomplished. I forget those things I've thrown overboard. I forget those attain, attainments that I've had, those accomplishments I had, those failures I had, those, those shortcomings I have. I forget those things, I throw them back. I throw them away and I'm pressing toward like a runner at the end of the race, reaching to, out to cross the line first. I'm gonna strain forward, I'm gonna push forward. Why? That I might press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. The goal, that's literally the idea of a target like you use for a shooting or you know, a target in shooting or a mark. That, that I'm gonna press towards, and that idea of toward literally means to bear down upon. I'm gonna bear down on that target and the direction of that goal. And then what he tells us what it is, that prize, the prize that we have in Christ Jesus, the upward call of God in Christ. Do you make your goal, your target, your mark, is it the, the upward call that God has for your life? Has God just kind of stopped us right now? Maybe we need to be really evaluating, do I believe these things? 
Have I begun to appropriate them in our lives? It's, it's a great thing to be able to walk into a church and smile and say hi to everybody, hear, hear a message and go, wow, I feel good about it, and go home and forget about God. But dear people of God, let us not forget about him with every breath, with every word, that Christ is our upward call, that Christ is our prize, that Christ is our goal. Dear people of God, is that your goal? Is that where you're at? Is that what God is doing in your life? You see, I think this is most important for us that the things that we're talking about here, then verses nine through 11, that identity of Christ, those need to be our, our, our goals, to know Christ, uh, press towards. Yeah, I haven't attained, and yeah, sometimes I fail, but I'm gonna press on. Is that your, is that your mindset, that you would be focused on God? that you would be after him. It's like in Romans chapter eight, verse 29. You know what God's goal is for you? That you would be conformed into the image of his son. That's God's goal for you. His goal for you may not be to the president of some big company. His goal for you may not be to attain all kinds of wealth. His goal may not be for you to have all influence. But I do know his goal for you is that you would look like his son that you would be Christ-like, that you would be like him. Is that your goal? I'm saying boldly to you today that that's God's goal for you. Now I'm asking you boldly and I'm challenging you boldly. Is that your goal personally? You see, dear people of God, if we as his people make that our goal, man, so many things change. So one of the things I've thought about as I was going through this 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 study and have been talking a lot about kind of being in, being in a follower of Jesus. And as we begin to look at that, what are some practical steps? And I wanna, I wanna show you on here on a slide. Earlier I showed you this kind of this piece that, we, that as we would be a Jesus follower, we would abide in Jesus. And as we abide, like we talked today, we would have a God focus in our lives. Well, in order to have an intentional investment in my relationship with God, as I begin to focus on these things and I say, you know what? Yes, my relationship with God needs to be the most important things. Well, what are some things that I can do? I think some things that become important is prayer and Bible study and, and, and Bible reading. And you're like, okay, Greg, now we're talking about doing. But, but do we not need to hear from God? More than just an hour on a week or even 30 minutes in a message? Okay, maybe 45 Maybe, maybe do, we, do we need God in our lives more than just that? Yes. I, I would challenge you, to, if you're not spending any time with God on a daily basis, I would challenge you, just, just carve out 20 minutes and read his word and pray. Share with him about your, your anxiety, your, 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 your um, uh, hurts and your, and your discouragement or, or your, your victories and just be honest with him. When I, I learned a long time ago in my prayer, I just, I figured, you know, I was, I remember one time I, my car broke down in Maine and I was out in the middle of nowhere and there was really a good chance I may not see anybody for a day. I was on a back road. And I remember my car broke down and I was kicking that car and I was, I was telling God, why'd you give me this car? I was mad at God. I was, I was just telling him and I realized he already knew I was mad. I want to talk to him in all of my, in all of my emotions. I want to share with him my feelings and my frustrations. But then I want to hear from him. I want his spirit to come back and say, hey, I got this. 
And he did. I mean, it was it's just amazing in that particular instance. Just a few minutes later, after I've started going, you know, Lord, I don't know what you're wanting to do right now. I don't know what you're trying to intend with me. But I, I know I just got to trust you, Father. And in that, in that case, he, he, he delivered me. But we got to be honest in our prayer. And we got to be honest in how we read his Bible. How we, how we hear from his word. And that we would take it and be intimate with it. What is God wanting to say to you? Have, you? have you taken time just to pull out his word and be able to begin to read it and say, God, what are you saying to me today? I, I'm scared. What are you saying to me? God, what do you want to do with my life? What does his word have to say? His word has truth. It's the words of life. Everything that we need is there. He has given it to us. And that we would be begun to study it and so some of the things that we've done if you go on the web page today there's a there's a box for resources and we've listed some some different resources there where you can go like you could go to the navigators website and they have a drop down in their resources that have have ideas for bible study and and for prayer and for devotionals where you where you could go to right now media our church is involved with that and you can go in there and you can find devotionals and you can find studies i encourage you to do that god has given us a lot of time on our hands let's make it about him let's make it about growing in him and use some of those resources there's there's devotionals and 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 our daily bread you can go to that website and there's some other websites that we have listed there where you can go and spend some time i challenge you to spend some time with god this this week really evaluating what is it that you need to throw over over on the side count it as waste that your focus may be on him, that you have a God focus, that you make an intentional investment in your relationship with God. Oh, dear people of God, I pray that the spirit of God moved this morning. I pray that he's speaking to you. I pray that, that you're growing in your faith and you're not growing in fear of our times. That God, somehow that we are gonna be a people that trusted in our God. And whatever God brings, it doesn't matter we will be a people who follow Jesus. There's a lot of things I could talk about in in the scriptures about fear or anxiety and all that. And I thought all those things and I said, you know what? We just need to be people who follow after Jesus. Will you join me? Will you follow with me? Will Will you follow Jesus today? Let's pray. Father God, speak to your people. May your spirit move in our hearts, Father. I know we're all over the place. There's people all over all over town in their homes and with their families. But God, I pray that your spirit would move in those moments. I pray right now, Father, there's some that are probably thinking of things that they realize they've allowed to blur their vision and just maybe even coming to a stop here recently that, that, Father, they would realize, hey, man, they need to get that right. Father, may your spirit move in them. Father, do not, do not burden them, but challenge them. Father, do not defeat them, but move them, Father, for your glory and for your purposes. That, Lord, you would work in your people as you see fit. Lord, speak to us, your people. May we trust you in all of our ways, for you will make our paths smooth. In Jesus' name, amen.